Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those who might be joining us for the first time, we're speaking, of course, with musicians whose parents made it big in the music industry, or those artists who started playing and writing songs when they were still very young. For these artists, making music is as natural as breathing. One of our guests today fits in both of these categories. She was three weeks old when she was loaded up into a tour bus with her parents. She started wowing crowds when she was just a toddler and has been writing music and entertaining fans ever since. Today's going to be a little special because we're going to meet her parents, who were also children of song. We're going to get to know some secrets and learn how all this began, so it should be fun. But first, I'm Brad Newman, the producer of this series, and today I want to welcome in a new co-host. He's a multi-platinum artist and a child of song himself. I'm so pleased he's agreed to join me on this little passion project. Say hi to Gunnar Nelson. Super excited to be with you. Oh, thank you so much, Brad. Excited to be here. And uh, I'm a little biased about today's guests. These are, these are my family. What can I say? Michael and Kathy and Alyssa, uh, fellow children of song here. And uh, I don't know. What, what can I say? They were in my wedding. You know? <laughs> and they're the godparents of my, my kids. And Alyssa is my sister. And the thing that's always blown me away is... How, uh, how connected this family is and how much they support and love each other through music being a, a, a common language that kind of transcends the generation. So can't wait for this one. Well, I'm glad you're here because, you know, we've been meeting all these children of song and to have one kind of with me by my side through this process is, I think, going to make it a little interesting, give us a little more perspective. But as you mentioned, we're here, right here in your home here in Franklin, Tennessee, and uh, Jamie Pfeffer is our engineer. Um, as you mentioned, Alyssa here, today's first guest, she started singing early. She was performing with Kenny Rogers when she was 10. By 13, she was writing her own songs. Uh, besides her own three albums, she's written for Jesse James Decker and Steven Tyler, uh, as well as a handful of other artists. Uh, full disclosure, she also worked on This Christmas, a song she and her father wrote with my co-host and his brother Matthew, which was a hit and featured Carney and Wendy Wilson. Uh, she also makes up one half of the sisterhood with her bandmate, Ruby Stewart, who is also a child of song and the daughter of a rock and roll icon, Rod Stewart. Please welcome Alyssa Bonagura to Thank the podcast. Thank you for having me. <laughs> so good to have you here. Happy to be here. And uh, also joining us in the studio are the folks who nurtured and supported this talent, who are both children of song and also major songwriters and performers, the lovely Kathy Bailey and talented Michael Bonagura met on a blind date and ended up making beautiful music together. Uh, he mm-hmm. co-wrote There's No Stopping Your Heart, a number one song from Marie Osmond. Uh, but uh, Mike and Kathy, along with Alan LaBeouf, uh, later Lance Hoppin and Roger McVeigh, would form the American country band Bailey and the Boys, which would produce, produce hits like uh, Oh Heart, Fool Such As I, personal favorite of mine, Wish I Had a Heart of Stone, and Longshot. Uh, they had nine top ten hits and were sought after by other big country stars like Vince Gill and Randy Travis for their beautiful three-part harmonies 
please welcome my close personal friends, Kathy Bailey and Michael Boniger to the podcast. Thanks for being with us, guys. Nice to be here. Thanks great for having us. Great to be us. here. Yeah, thank you, Gunner. Yeah, thank you, Gunner. This That's is going to be fun. Thank you. This is going to be like, <laughs> more often. we're doing this Nashville style. This is great. We're actually here in, literally here in, in our right. living room. <laughs> and this happens. In the round. In the, in the round. round. In the round. How and, cool. And this is kind of cool because we get to talk story and, and I'm actually going to get to learn a lot about your past too because I kind of, I kind of came in late to the party after everything was just cruising and cooking along, but um, I'm reading some of these questions in advance, and I'm pretty excited. We to We can actually so. get the bluebird to run for the money. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Give Erica a call. <laughs> All right, so let's start with uh, with you, Alyssa. Tell us what your first memories were as uh, as a child, hanging out with your your hippie parents, you know, on tour, and you guys uh, around the country on a tour bus. Um, what were you guys thinking about bringing a three week old on on tour? How'd that happen? <laughs> even know if I was thinking. I, I just knew that I had to do it. We didn't have a choice. You know, I, I had a hit song on the radio, and I was having a baby. And I said, I can do this. Yeah, I so mean, I did. we really didn't have a choice with, with mother and father both doing the same thing mm-hmm. at the same time. Mm-hmm. The choice was either leave our, our child in the care of someone else not with us or bring her with us and, and figure it out as you, you go along. And um, in a way, I think, you know, that, that difficult situation that we were faced with was such a blessing that she was able to travel with us. I mean, she traveled with well, us. She traveled with, with her mother and her father. I mean, it's now, cool. what tour were you guys in the middle of? Was it your own tour? Or were you out we, with Alabama? We started out with a radio tour when Alyssa was just a baby. And I, I remember, um, you know, we were taking buses, planes, you know, whatever. Planes, trains, and automobiles. Yeah. That's right. Anything yeah. that we could to get to the radio stations. And I and one remember... time we jumped in the back of a banana truck. It was not fun. <laughs> With the baby. With I the baby. Looking at a banana somewhere in Peru. I remember yeah. looking at Alyssa and saying... <laughs> This is what we got to do, so just go with it. <laughs> you know? no, we so went we to, uh, uh, I think we played in Iowa on April 21st, 1988. And that mm-hmm. was the first show and the first time Alyssa traveled with us. And uh, we had our own tour bus by then. Good baby. And I remember, I remember the look on all the band and the crew's face when, when they found out they were going to be traveling with a baby. And I'm sure they were thrilled. Well, oh, yeah. <laughs> they were smart enough not to say word. anything. Yeah. yeah, they were thrilled. <laughs> so when, when did you guys first realize that, that Alyssa had the kind of love for music that you guys have? When did it happen? Oh, boy. I, I, got, I know exactly when yeah, it happened. Yeah, I know what you're going to say, too. We were uh, working on our second record, I guess it was, right? Mm-hmm. And Kyle Lenning produced all of our, our records. And I'm sitting in the back with Alyssa, and she's like, maybe... I don't know, one and a half, something like that. She's sitting there with me on my lap, and, you know, she starts singing this. Could have been Turn the Tide or something like that, right? And Kyle turned around and said, was that you or her? Wow. That's when I knew, because she was exactly in tune with me. She just knew everything that I sang so, all the time. So, Liz, you came out of the womb with perfect pitch. <laughs> she did. I, you know... The, I think she did. The, 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 the interesting thing about it, too, is um, Dan Seals... Mm-hmm. Um, right. was recording at the studio the same time we were during this three-month period. And Alyssa was much younger. And he used to come in while we were in the studio, uh, and he'd say, can I borrow your daughter for to go over some of my songs with? And now she was just five months old, six months old. Right. And we'd say, well, what do you mean? He goes, 
well, she stares at me and she won't take her eyes off me when I'm singing. And, I'm, right. and, and he goes, I just feel this connection. He goes, and if I could just take her out in the other room in the studio and just go over what I'm going to sing tonight, he goes, I feel really confident about it with her being there. <laughs> and, and it was, it was, it was so crazy. It was so crazy. But, um, My first memory was uh, just like the smell of diesel, I think. Like, poor great. thing, I'm sorry. <laughs> Literally, I mean, but we like, I know, I mean, I remember my mom would, you know, I'd, it'd be like 12 o'clock at, at night and my mom would come wake me up from being asleep upstairs and she'd go, let's see, the bus is here. And I was so excited because I love being on the bus. And so we, had this, really, we had this really long driveway, the bus would pick us up at, at the house and I would grab my pillow and and I'd walk down the driveway with my mom and we'd get in the bu- we'd get in the bus and I'd she had a star coach so in the back of the in the back of the bus was this really awesome big bed so she kicked dad out into one of the bunks and <laughs> her and I slept in the back of, in the in the bus so that was for my, 20 years <laughs> and honestly I mean like it's the ultimate rocking chair because you it get is. on the bus and you just kind of rocks you to sleep. So now every time that I like, you know, even if it's just like a greyhound or something on the street, and I and I, this it's the smell of diesel. It's like this. It's the, my first childhood memory of being on the bus and the diesel. And, um, smell and, of home. Yeah, it really was. Honestly, I mean, it's like it's your moving. It's your moving home. You know, so it's pretty cool. You'd what you'd go to sleep, and I think what was mostly the the most fun for me was waking up in a different city every morning because mm-hmm. literally we'd be on the bus and. And everybody on the bus, my, my parents really surrounded themselves with wonderful company. So all the players in the band, all the people that worked on the road were the nicest people and most fun people to be around. So they were like my brothers, you know, and my mom and dad were pretty much like my brother and sister, too, because I'm an only child. So it was fun. I, I really, really loved it. And I love it now still. And I think I just took my first I just had my first gig where we could actually pay for a bus, and um, it was like really full circle and fun. I was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm going back on the bus again after all these years!" And know? she took us. <laughs> yeah, took them. Here, you sleep over there. <laughs> so, but yeah. I heard that you actually sang all the songs, and unbeknownst to your parents, backstage, like you were like oh, yeah. two and three years old, yeah. and you're literally mouthing all the words to the songs. Yeah, I, I honestly just—I mean, I—you'll I, never meet like two musical people that are as musical as my mom and dad because they just sing all day I mean like being around them is really really fun because it's just music all the time so in the bus I mean they'd be running harmonies with uh you know whether it was Alan LaBeouf who was really the the start of Bailey and the Boys with them or if it was Roger McVeigh who came in later or Lance Hoppin um they all were like my uncles pretty much and so they would be running harmonies like all day on the bus and before their gig or something. So I just would learn how to sing, I think, from listening to them and, and then hearing the third part come in. So I'd always like just fill in, you know, whenever they needed me, I'd be like, I'll sing. My favorite thing is when Alyssa was like really little, she'd go, I think you guys are singing the wrong parts. <laughs> that was like my favorite thing. You know, like, well, which way do you think it should go? Oh, wow. Be careful yeah. what you teach them, I know, right? I know. Right. We were, uh, I was like a little sponge, you know. We, we were doing we were doing the show in uh, in Nashville at the uh, Parthenon, and it was the um, uh, Desert Storm. Desert Storm, and they called it uh, Des- what did they call it? Desert Stars, I think. I concert. Can't and and <laughs> they were filming this to send overseas so that the uh, you know the, the the military could could see this concert in Nashville, and um, we were we for some reason we we had decided to do a song that we had not never performed before which i guess we do 
way too often we decide to do things like that. But um, it was um, uh, it was a song, uh, and we were rehearsing it, and I think Alyssa was maybe oh, Desert Storm. Three, maybe she was. Maybe she was three. It's Ninety-one, right? Ninety-one. So she was three. Yeah, she was three, and we were uh, we were working it out uh, with our keyboard player in in our living room, and Alyssa went up to her room and she came down with her little battery-powered Casio keyboard, and she was just sitting there on the floor <laughs> looking at us, and she had headphones on and she was she was playing on the keyboard and we're learning the song and um, do you remember what song it was? Bette Midler had it out yeah. as a hit. Um, Oh no. beaches? No. No. And long and long story. It's long not story. Sh- my wings, was it? Nope. No. Nope. It oh was. Oh my goodness. Uh, Wasn't it? You gotta give a little. No. Yeah, no. no. I'll think of it in a minute. It was. Re- it was I remember huge. it was. I was obsessed with that particular. And, thing. Yeah, song. and when it was time to go on stage, I remember her picking up her little keyboard and coming over to the stage. <laughs> right before, right before we were running on stage, she had her keyboard under her arm. She said, "Me too." And I looked at her and said. <laughs> Well, sure. You sit right there, and she and she just sat there and she played along. There was no sound coming out of the keyboard, but I think I think I think it was destiny. <laughs> From a distance. But that's what it was. From a distance. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. I used I honestly just used to watch them and want to be on stage because it it was fun for me. But I I I think I believe that like when you're when you're born, you kind of like know what your path should be. It just sometimes it takes people longer than others to figure that out. But I think that like I was blessed in this lifetime to just know that I wanted to do music and I was given the gift by God and, and I'm proud to be a messenger, you know, but that's how they are too. I mean, you listen to their music and you know what comes from their hearts and that's real, you know, so. Alyssa was anyway. always dressed, ready to go on. I was, we had a nanny that traveled with us. If it wasn't my mother, it was our living nanny. And I said, just, you know, just make sure she looks really cute and then I'll call her out. You know, they always look like rock stars. So I just I remember watching my mom. She do her makeup in the Mm -hmm. bus mirror every night, like in the bathroom, (laughs) and she always looked fabulous, like a rock star. So I just wanted to be like her. Sparkles and stuff. Now I still wear all of her clothes, but I like we we trade clothes. She's doing the '90s thing now. Yeah, uh, (laughs) this is your sweater I'm wearing actually. From the that is my sweater. That you know what that's from? Yeah, I know what that's from. Treat me like a stranger. See, (laughs) which you're gonna play later. I wore that. Yeah, yeah, I love this. Anyway, Without a Raider, a Raider 80s pants. plot hurt. Well, let's, let's play something. <laughs> let's, let's play something to get started here. Um, you know, one, the first single that you came out with was, was Oh Heart. Right. Can we, can we hear a little bit of that? Sure. Sure. What key are you going to do it in? Uh, I will do it. This has been a tough couple of weeks for me. Again, this would, but. this would have been the, the beginning, right? Where, you know, your careers are really, you know, kicking right. off. And here you had this little baby with you and all these... Top well, ten hits. Well, we wrote this song. Um, Alyssa was, well, she wasn't born yet, but we wrote the song and we didn't have the hook line. We had oh something, but we didn't know what it was going to be. And in those days, you know, you're writing with someone. We wrote this with Don Schlitz, and we all went out for a cup of coffee. And, you know, we came back and we thought, well, what are we going to call it? And it became oh heart. And then during that period... Our co-producer of our record, who was Paul Davis at the time, genius, um, he got shot in a mugging at a hotel in downtown Nashville. And so we knew that we were going to call the song Oh Heart at that point. Mm. It was like, you know, oh boy or oh, you know, oh whatever. But we knew it was going to be called Oh Heart at that point. And he did live. 
Athena, so hold on just a little longer. And That's maybe right. Alyssa will sing the missing part. I'll be the I'll be the third, the third boy part. <laughs> Well, like I said, said, I haven't been well for a couple of weeks, but so whatever comes out of my game, I go with it. I gave her my I quit. (laughs) Go with it. (laughs) Whatever comes out, go with it. You know, it's so nice to actually get to hear you guys all singing together. We were talking before we started taping. Yeah. That, uh, I mean, it's so neat that you guys, it's really, it's a a cycle that continues, and I can hear it when you do your thing. I mean, honestly, it's the most musical family I've ever seen, Mm -hmm. for real. And there's, I mean... Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I didn't know that... Um, we have a cool tone when we sing together, I think. Musical. Yeah. Well, but we had to do it with different generations. You guys actually get to enjoy this together, which mm-hmm. is a cool thing. And it's a, and you're artists in your own right. You're an artist in your own right. And uh, But when you guys all get together, there's nothing like that family thing. Yeah, it's comfortable. It, it, sound, it, it really is comfortable. That's how I describe it. Yeah, it's what music's supposed to do for people. It's supposed to connect with you and make you feel a certain way. Yeah. And I, like listen to you guys sing, like I feel like I'm Matthew home. Together. It's great. Thanks, man. Yeah, man. That's so cool. There's nothing like you and Matthew together. I mean, there's just... Something... That, yeah. That's yeah. like the thing that I totally yeah. understand yeah. what you're saying because I feel exactly well, the you same. Well, you guys do the same thing. I'm watching. I'm watching. You have whole conversations while you're singing with each other without saying a word. For real, there's a subtext going on here. You're saying, okay, you take this part, you take that part, you're shifting, you're doing this whole thing. Fam- only family can do that, you know, or, or, a... or acts that have been together. Or, for... or even like, because she, she's not feeling well and she had to get to that high part, you yeah. could almost hear, have, she was looking at Mike like, catch me. Well, those are people. Yeah, I'm, I'm going up. Me. Somebody those are people, they've, been, they've all been doing gigs since Moby Dick was a minnow. And that's what <laughs> no, they yeah, have yeah, to yeah. do. Funny, um, we were doing this gig um, the other night at the Bluebird and I just missed the gig before that, the night before because I really had no voice at all, first time in my life. So I remember looking at Alyssa, and I knew she took the melody, and I knew Michael took the middle, and I took the bottom for the, the first harmony. time in my life. And I'm thinking, wow, that's a tough part, that one. I well, it's been fun. It's one. been fun, like, in in my new band with, with Ruby, the sisterhood. Um, it's fun because I think when you start, like, when we first met, we were, like, starting to figure out whether it was, you know, if we... Right. If we could sing together, because right. it was it was always was fun. We were what? we were and who was going <clears> to <throat> sing what? Like who's going to take the harmony? Who's going to take the lead? Um, and then after you do it for like two years, you you get into this groove where now I'll look at Ruby and I'll, and like we'll just be singing a random song, like hanging out with our friends, and 
and then we'll both go for the harmony part. When I thought she was going to stay on the melody and she thought I was going to stay on the melody, but it's like right. this weird connection you get with people. And we have we it. We do that all the time. Well, we have it. That can be very pretty sometimes because the yeah. one part that you yeah. think is going to be harmony ends up being the melody. That's right. And it can be very, very pretty. Yeah, and it's almost like this cool thing, like you don't know where the music is going to go, but it goes to some cool place that you've kind of found together. So it's like a really cool journey that you take with your musician friends or your family. I think I know now what's making me say that it's yearning for my old backyard. Realize maybe I was wrong to leave Swallow up my silly country pride Going home, running home Down a gasoline alley where I started from but you guys have that too. I mean, and it's, I think it's like a weird magical music connection thing when you're on stage with players sometimes yeah, too. I think, I think so. But, you know, I think it's also, well, in our case, just like it's with, with you guys, it's, it was our normal. It always yeah. was our normal. Music yeah. was always around. Yeah. And it's just the language that we all spoke. Yeah, and yeah, kind yeah. of growing up like that, you're kind of expected to be able totally. to pick out harmonies and jump in on things yeah. and do, I yeah. mean, that's just kind of what that's you right. do. That's yeah. Right. And you don't realize how special it is until you get older and you realize not everybody's parents are rock stars. You know I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. You get to this age, and you go, but you know, it's just the way that you were raised. How old were you when you first started writing? Um, I have uh, I can No, I can answer that, and I have proof. I remember the dancer song I have, you wrote. You were five, and I have five? I have a cassette of seven songs that you wrote when uh, you were five years old. <laughs> no um, way. Yeah. I, five years old. I was Did you obsessed. Send me that so we could put nope. this in. <laughs> I was obsessed with dancers. Like I really wanted to be a dancer. I have it in a time okay. capsule. So I started dancing when I was like a ballerina. I was like I really wanted to be a ballerina, and then I learned that I had, my feet were too flat, so I couldn't really be a ballerina. So I decided to be a tapper. <laughs> then, which is I think what helped me with my rhythm on guitar because I, I was just really want. I just like wanted to be artistic all Fabulous the time. Dancer. And oh they wanted me to be normal, so I went to school. Like, I went to public school and would go out with them on the weekends. They're like, you need to have a normal life, somewhat normal life. Or go to school and then come back out. So I, right. so I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll, you know, I'll start dancing, maybe, you know, whatever. So um, anyway, I remember writing that song with you, Dad, because I was, like, obsessed with ballerina. I actually didn't write it. I just followed you. Now, now what was the song called? It's, it was, it was called, called uh, Dream About Dancer's Life. Dream remember? About Dancer's Yeah. Can oh, we wow, some wow. Of Do you remember it? Are you kidding me? I, on, I remember the melody. Go, go for it. Dream go for it. Dancers life. I honestly don't remember. I dream when I close my eyes. Let's see if I... Now, this is at five, right? Yeah. Yeah, five. Wait. That's it. Thanks. It was like... Um, <clears throat> as in, well, I'm, I'm always amazed at how Alyssa remembers every song she's ever written. This is it. That's how it goes. Dream when I close my eyes. Was that... Dancing all around, flying in the air, and never touch the ground. That's all I remember. Wow, that's right. That's cute. It's like a lullaby. It's cute. She wrote that at five. <laughs> Something like that. It's amazing. Yeah. You know what? Um, there was a song we were just. You will be about. cutting that one day, won't you? No, you have to. You have to do a children's I'll record. I'll do a children's record. Oh, we were I'm talking sorry. last night. I said, Alyssa, really be fun to do. do you remember the song Bracelet and. It was years ago, we we were on tour with Marty Stewart, and I took Alyssa out of school, and I think she was like... A, I was like 15, I think. There's a really it, something like that. There's but. a funny funny story about how we got on that tour, which I want to interject. We got a call to uh, do this tour, and uh, 
the pay really wasn't good enough. So I turned it down and I said to the promoter, but I know someone else that, that would probably love to do it if you want to hire my daughter, Alyssa. And I said, and her mom and dad will probably have to be along for the ride. And we always get up on stage with her if you want to do it that way. And uh, that's exactly what he did. Oh. Yeah, I got to open for you guys. Yeah. And then I and then we it was my first Martin. it was my first like tour doing my own songs. And and how old were you? I was fifteen, I think. Wow. That's epic. It and was you guys, so fun. Oh I I can't Thank imagine. goodness for the internet because she got all her homework. Yeah, uh, they sent me all my work. Email yeah. and um video awesome. blogs of her homework. It was Father Ryan High School and they it was were like they were glad to They really it. supported her. It was like a two month tour. But we did a lot. I mean, I was always like obsessed with you know, music and theater and dance in school too. And so like at Father Ryan, I started the dance team there. And then I, and then we do these, um, we do these benefit concerts for Father Ryan, you know. And, oh, those were fabulous. And we'd get Vince, Carnes, Gill, Vince Gill, who everybody. I've known since I was a kid because they toured together. And yeah. um, Jenny Gill is a really good friend of mine now. And we're both like, you know, the offspring. Kids. She'd hear the yeah. songs Jenny like and you. Oh, yeah. right. They're amazing. Really? Oh, I'd like to hear this. Jenny and, and Vince are obviously on the podcast. Yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She was amazing. And, and, uh, and just he gets so family. emotional with her, you know, like totally, they're doing yeah. harmonies together and they were yeah. talking about harmonies and, um, you know, I mean, he's yeah. literally tearful. Yeah. You know, yeah. With her. He's I mean. really he's cool. He's a very sensitive guy. I, when he was on RCA, we were on RCA together and I was thrilled because he asked us to sing on his record. And so we bounced back and forth on, we'd sing on his, he'd sing on ours. So pretty cool. It became this really cool thing, you know, even touring with him too. We were all like the new kids on the block. But this tour in 2003 with Marty Stewart was the coolest thing because we ended up in um, somewhere close to Pocatello, Idaho, and we were going to spend Christmas with my girlfriend, Candy Clements, in Pocatello. From high well, school, right? You from did. high school, yeah. And it snowed every day since we got there. And we couldn't almost leave. Almost three weeks. We, we were, we were snowed literally like seven stuck in the mountains for almost 18 days. Wow. There were multiple storms coming in from different right. directions constantly. So we never seen out. snow like that. And there was a, a girl there that I became friends with, and she right. was Across like, let's street. go skiing. So we went skiing, and then there was this guy she introduced me to, and right. I totally had a crush on him, and so I wrote a song about it. Called The Bracelet. And he gave me this bracelet, and I remember I wrote a song about the bracelet, and that's kind of like... And someone brought that, that up. My neighbor brought that up to me the other day, and she goes, do you have a copy of Alyssa's song? I was just always writing. Like, anything I ever went through, I, that's what I, I was just... Well, I can attest to that. I'd just hang around. about a bracelet. Yeah. You know, a drop of a hat. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Let's write a song about yeah. that, and she just breaks into something. It's yeah. Is it, is it quick for you? Is it sort of lightning in the bottle when you come up with a song, or...? Yeah, it's like a... Um, if it's not quick, I think that it's not meant to be. Like, and I've been learning that recently because I, I, you know, when I graduated, I went to college in England at the Paul McCartney School, and I went for engineering and production because I wanted to learn how to record my own songs. And that was basically because my dad had like this five track. Was it a mini disc recorder that we would we had a mini write disc. songs on? We did. We had eight, a mini disc. An eight, yeah. eight track. And yeah. I remember like recording all my harmonies, mm -hmm. and I just became like obsessed with being able to like get the ideas out on tape. And so. I found out about that school, and I was like, all right, that's the only place I'm going to apply, and if I don't get in, maybe I'm just, like, meant to just do music, but I got in on a full-ride scholarship, like, don't know how that happened, but, because I didn't really know much about recording, but, um, well, but I knew I wanted, but yeah. I knew I wanted to be a producer, so anyway, when I got out of that, I, um, I graduated college in 2009, and I got a job writing songs, and, and I didn't realize that, like, writing all these different kinds of songs would almost make you, like, lost, because you... I, I, I've, I never like questioned like who I was as an artist 
um, in high school or even before then, I just was making the music that was in my heart or like, you know, these ideas that would come from the sky. And I'd be like, oh, I need to write that. But then when you get into that groove of writing for other people and they're like, oh, well, Mariah Carey's looking. Can you write a song for her? And I was like, all right. And so I'd like, obviously, I was obsessed with pop music and, and country music, just top 40 radio, basically. So I would listen to all these songs and I would be like, oh, I think I can write something that they would want. And so I'd write the song and it would be... It, to me, it would sound like something they would do, but at the same time, like, it almost makes you kind of question, like, well, sh do I like R&B now, or do I like rock and roll now, or am I a country singer, am I a folk singer, like, what am I? And then everybody starts asking you, like, what kind of artist do you want to be? And I'm like, I don't know, I knew before I started writing all these different <laughs> kinds of songs, you know? But um, anyway, it's, it's really It's really interesting. tough to write for somebody else, to go into a writing session and, you know, they say, we want to write this for so-and-so. I can't do that but at I, all. Well, there's, but a, well, there's a different headspace because you started out doing yeah. jingles. Right. Yeah. I yeah. mean, that was your thing. And obviously, yeah. you're doing things on commission. Yeah. I didn't know growing up in California that I was grooving along to to a food commercial you guys made, like, classic. <laughs> yeah. We were, we were handed a lyric from an ad agency, and we signed a, um, a right-to-hire agreement beforehand. And they said, put some music to this. <clears> and it was uh, uh, our... Our original member Alan LaBeouf and Kathy and I, and when I remember we were, we were in Bernardsville, New Jersey, in mm -hmm. Kathy's uh, her aunt Gent, uh, Gent Camelucci. We were in her basement, Real and uh, <laughs> in about thirty seconds, can you we, sing it? Yeah, can you yeah. Sing it? thirty seconds. We came up with it was for Burger King. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. do it. Hold one, three, two. Four. Hold the pickles, hold the lettuce, special orders don't upset us. All we ask is that you let us serve it your way. Have it your way, have it your way, have it your way at Burger King. Doesn't that make you want a burger? <laughs> I'm hungry. Yeah. But, but you too, you actually started out too when you just came off the, uh, the Paul McCartney school, right? And then, yes. Now, now, did you write Sunshine in England? I did. I wrote, I wrote a song called I Make My Own Sunshine. It was... I, it was like raining all the time in Liverpool. The most rain I've ever seen. Actually, it rains that much here in Nashville now that I think of it. But <laughs> really? um, but it's always like so cold there and not much sun. So when the sun comes out, you'll see all the people in the parks because they just they just like want to. And it's suntan. cold. It's like sixty. But I remember my friend I and I were. On. I know. And I remember me and my friend were walking down the street. To, I think we we're on our way to a show or something. And um, I was like, "Doesn't the sun ever shine here?" And she goes, "It's alright. So we make our own sunshine." And I was like, I was like, song idea. I was like, song idea. oh my God. And I remember I went back that night to my apartment and I was living in Lennon Studios, which was an old maternity hospital where John Lennon was born. So I think that there was like some good juju in that place. Sure. But I, cause I wrote so many songs and my first album really that I made was there. But um, anyway, I wrote that song and I remember I had like the verse and the chorus to it and I never finished it because Actually, I only had the chorus. I didn't have any verses. That's what it was. And I never finished it because I just thought it was silly. Like, it was just something that picked me up. So I went, when I got this gig writing these songs for um, this publishing company, uh, they found that, like, in the tapes that I had turned into them. And I remember my manager called me at the time. She was like, Alyssa, what's this Sunshine song? And I was like, oh, I don't know. It's just this, like, this little thing that I wrote in Liverpool. And, and she goes, you need to finish that song. And I was like, really? And I was like, all right, I'll, you know, I'll think about it. And then my publisher heard it and was like, listen, you've got to finish this song. Like, just write some verses, record it, because I think we can get it placed in a commercial. 
So I was like, okay, you know, whatever, right? So I write, sure. so I write, yeah, because that happens all the time. It's like, there's this TV spot, you know, write a song for it, and it just like never happens, right? So, um, so I wrote this song and finished it, recorded it in my bedroom and on my laptop, and like literally two, I think it was like two months later, it was on this nationwide Lowe's commercial, and we had like, like, I don't know, 50,000 downloads on on this song in, like, the first week or something crazy like that, over, like, a million spins on Spotify. So it was just, like, really nuts. But the reason I was say, bringing up that whole thing about writing all the songs for people is that you realize that the songs that you write that take you pretty much the shortest amount of time, I think, sometimes where they come from, wherever songs come from, like Songland up the there, best. they're the ones that people connect to the most. It's the stuff that you don't that you're not writing for other people, you're really writing it for yourself, and it's coming from your soul. I think, the, I, honestly, those are all the songs that have gotten cut for me. Like with Jesse James Decker, I've, I've had so many cuts by her, and she's she's been a fan of mine, which has been so, like, what what an honor to have someone that's, you know, believed in music so much, and she's cut but so many of my songs. Jesse and Alyssa, they just can write, and it's amazing. We write in like 30 just minutes. Boom. And it's out. It's and just it's like Ruby and I. That's how Ruby and I write. And I think that when I met her and we started writing songs, I was like, okay, this is really special, you know? Right. So Let's hear a little bit of Sunshine. Yeah, yeah. Hey, let me ask one question. Yeah. Did you write yeah. Sunshine on the purple ukulele? I wrote it, initially I wrote it on acoustic guitar, and I have like a garage band demo of me writing this song, which is just the chorus. And then when we... When we were on the trip out the west, trip, me and my mom took this trip like out to. Uh, well, we were all there. We played a show in Española, right? And I remember um, Ed Stasium, who's an amazing producer and very good friend of ours. He's like my uncle Eddie. He, um, we, we were like, let's go to Colorado. We Durango. got a couple days off, so we right. went. We drove up to Colorado. He gave me a ukulele. He was like, you need to have this ukulele. It was like this purple, the purple ukulele, little ukulele. And on the way home, my dad had to fly back because he was he had some work, and so my mom and I drove the car back from. Colorado, and I had this ukulele in the car, and that's when I finished the Sunshine song. So it ended up being a ukulele song, and it was my first song on ukulele that I ever wrote. So yeah, <laughs> so that's pretty huge. I mean, yeah, if you think about it. That's fun. Children of Song. I'm Brad Newman with Gunnar Nelson, and our guests today are uh, the singer-songwriters Alyssa Bonagura, who's joined by her mom, Kathy Bailey, and her father, Mike Bonagura. 
Thank you so much for being with here. Yeah. Let's talk about that discovering of the artist of who you want to be. I, I think a lot of young artists, not just musicians, struggle with this. Yeah. You know, they get pigeonholed as uh, if you're an actor as a comic or, uh, you know, a more of a serious actor. And I think they struggle. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, artists should be artists. They yeah. should be allowed to, you know, create and change with the whims of the months and the yeah. days. And that, that would be nice if that were so. It's just very difficult nowadays on the business side of things with everything being, everything being so formatted. Mm-hmm. And I just, for, as an observer, I've, I've watched Alyssa, who I admire so much, over the last five years go through this process. She writes so much and loves so much about so many different kinds of music mm-hmm. that you touched on that a little bit earlier about picking your direction for you mm-hmm. when these songs from God are coming in all of the time. Yeah. And the last thing in the world you want to do is stop them from happening. Right. Um, and and I, I don't know how that is for you and how it is that you're able to take this incredible gift that you have and, and all these different songs that you're so good at writing mm-hmm. and be able to choose what that is in the environment that we have in the business where they make you kind of package yourself in this narrow little box. How's that been for you trying to balance that? I think that success started happening for me when I stopped caring what anybody else thought about the music I was making. I think, I honestly think that when I met Ruby and we started the band, we just did it for fun. And, and I think my direction kind of chose me rather than me choosing the direction because I think when I was writing these songs with her, it was like, it felt easy to me rather than like, trying to write all these songs that like weren't as easy. And so I was like, well, this is fun. Let's just do this. And so then when we started that, it was like we would get these gigs. And it was like, can you fly to Milan and play Fashion Week? And we were like, sure. We didn't have a band name. But we were like, yeah, we'll, we'll play. Don't have any songs, and then we'll come out there. Yeah, we got like maybe like two songs, right? And then, and then it was like all these gigs just started lining up. It was like the universe just opened. It was like this is where you should be. Like, just keep doing this. Just keep having fun. Well, did your parents and, and her parents' name, did that help you at that point? I mean, even though you guys are very different, and I, I love the sound. I mean, Thanks. it's definitely something people should check out. This Thank you. Um, but do you think that helps? Because it certainly doesn't hurt. Oh, of course. I mean, I, I don't, I think that like, you know, sometimes when that happens, it, it like people view it as like, oh, well, that's the only reason that they're getting any traction is because of who their parents are but honestly I mean I think that Ruby and I I mean and I'll have to tell you the whole story another time maybe we can do another podcast with Rubes because she's she's had an amazing life too and you know been brought up in the same way but um just a little bit different I mean honestly she was on a jet plane and I was on a bus so it's kind of the same thing you know but um but I think that they're faster yeah but I honestly think it's really like been a thing of hard work I mean I've been you know, woodshedding all those songs. I think like to write all those songs and to take all the gigs and say yes to all the gigs and just kind of follow this path of music kind of brought me to meeting her. And she did the same thing. I mean, she had commercials, a commercial out the same time I did. So I think that like really what matters the most is the hard work that you put into it. And then, you know, it's like, it's funny, but it's like, do you you go to the gym at all? Like, okay. So, you know, like when you're like, I'm going to get in shape. Like, I'm going to take January and I'm going to, like, get in shape. And then, like, the second week you're at the gym, you're like, God, I'm working out so hard. Like, nothing's, like, paying off. I don't look like, you know, it's working. And then, like, you keep at it for, like, another month. And then you're like, oh, hey, I'm starting starting to look good, you know? (laughs) But it takes a while. Like, it doesn't doesn't happen, like, you know, the second day. Like, I think you really have to work hard for 
like to be a musician and, and to just like stop caring because literally I just stopped caring. I was like, I'm just going to make music that's in my soul. And I think that that's why it started happening. I mean, I'm not sure that that's the reason why, but that's what I feel when, I think well, on the when inside, you say, maybe. When you, say st- when you, you say, know? say stop caring, I think the conflict comes in when you're a musician and you're trying to find opportunities, you're trying to uh, be noticed. There's a lot of people in the business that you have to team up with and you, you have to have let to them please. notice yes. you and you're trying to please them. Yeah. And, and that, that can be a mistake because maybe it's not, it's not viewed as being genuine or maybe it's just not right period. Yeah. Well, but, but, but you always, yeah. the one thing you have to remember as, as a musician, as a songwriter is that even when you go on stage or when you pick up a pen and write a lyric, you are writing for yourself because it's writing through you, mm-hmm. but it's not really for you. Right. And, and I think when you can let go of the fact and say, you know what, this isn't about me anymore. This yeah. is about what I'm doing. This is about the, and, uh, this is about the people that are going to hear the song that are hopefully going to be touched by it. And it will be a friend to them when they need right, it. Right. You know? And if you, and I think if it's a mistake to think you're doing it for yourself yeah. and if you're doing it for yourself, maybe you have something you like for a couple hours, but you're not going to like it tomorrow and it's not going to mean anything to anyone else. But as soon as you can open up and let that go and just say, you know what, this isn't really about me anymore, Yeah. Uh, but I'm, but I'm supposed to be the one that's getting it out there. I honestly think that that's how those songs like those certain songs, like I make my own sunshine. It wasn't about me anymore. It was like right. channeled through me. And then I got an email. I remember when it came out on the lowest commercial, I got this email from this woman who had a, um, an autistic child who she wasn't able to hold her child. Um, this child was like two years old and you know, they have fits and they, um, anyway, so she heard the song. The kid was like sitting in the living room. She's writing me this email about, she was in the kitchen her child was in the living room, the TV was on, and my song came on. And it was like the first time that her child just like stopped and like was listening to this song. And for the first time in like two years, she was able to hold her kid for the first time. And I'm like reading this email from this stranger I've never met. And I'm like weeping in the kitchen. And I'm like, that's the reason I wrote the song. You know what I mean? Like that's the reason the song came through me. If it was that one person so that they could have that moment together. And she said every time she plays the song, she's able to like just sit with her kids. Was so, that the moment that you realize it's all bigger than you? Yeah. All of this is bigger than you. Yeah. It like makes me cry talking there about are, it. There are hundreds you know? of comments underneath I Make My Own Sunshine of stories like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know? And probably it's, a it's million amazing. covers it's of amazing. it. So how did that yeah, feel the first time that, that it happened for you when something, when you got a message like that or you were on stage and someone's singing the words to your own song yeah. back to you? That's or, pretty cool. I think it's like, a, I think that's like the turning point <clears throat> like when you're like, okay, like, no matter what, no matter how hard it is, it's like, you've got to do it. Like, you were chosen to make music, so you just have to make it. Well, there are low times. There are those Absolutely. times when you feel like no one's hearing what you're writing and yeah, right. no one's caring and, and it's all yeah. sad. So what is it that goes through all of your, your hearts when you're in those moments? This is not an easy business for anybody. Yeah, of course. You, you know, know, so when someone writes you a letter or, or comes up to you backstage and says that you saved them because of a song that you wrote, and you think to yourself, "Wow, like me? That's really that's like pretty I, I did special." That, you know? Is there one that. song in particular that you guys have that had more of an effect of of that kind of change in people's Boy, lives than others? I think I think there were a lot of yeah. I was going to say I think I think we've been really fortunate because we've had we've had a number of those songs. Um, uh, "Treat Me Like a Stranger" mm-hmm. is one, she and that was a song you, that, that uh, I wrote. I wrote that with with <clears throat> a, a 
wonderful musician in his own right, um, Peter McCann. And uh, he had a couple right. of pop hits out in the 70s, and I remember listening to him on the radio, then meeting him in Nashville. It's like, wonderful I can't believe, writer. I can't believe, you know, we're having a beer together, yeah. you know? And um, we, you know, we had written maybe a dozen songs for our publishing company. We were signed to the same company. Mm -hmm. And... Um, you know, they were all really good songs. They're fun to play, but but nobody cut any of them. Mm -hmm. No one was really saying anything. And uh, we were just sitting around one day, and, and it was uh, my anniversary, wedding anniversary was coming up, and it was his wife's birthday coming up, I think. And we just sat there, and we said, you know, screw the publishing company. Let's just write something <laughs> to, give to, our, to give to our spouse, you know, or our wife. And um, we came up with this song called Treat Me Like a Stranger. And the comments and the letters and the people uh, when we play I, any I, chance you can play so with that? of course of course it. we will you yeah. know nev never planned on that song ever being recorded and um i never turned it into the record label i never let anybody mm. hear it and our a and r person mary martin uh it was it was actually on one of the uh, cds that we sent in because we would send her in songs all the time by mistake and you know it was the it was the last song that wasn't supposed to be there after five songs that I was absolutely certain they were going to freak out over that yeah. nobody liked, uh -huh. you know. And she calls me up and she said, well, you didn't say anything about this song. She goes, this is a song you got to record. And I said, not that one. Yeah. I said, no one's going to want to hear that. And she goes, are you kidding? She goes, that's the song you need to cut. So You know, that was the, an interesting song for us because um, come on like the first time, you know, you know. The record label was thinking, oh my God, they're never going to play that on the radio. It was the first, I think, kind of sexual video ever <laughs> by two people, but we're husband and wife and we're laying in bed and kissing one another. And I, they did it, but they, they did it, you know, and it went to number two for us, you know. Who would have thunk it? <laughs> you know? we were, when we were doing the, the video, the, the director came out and uh, I was wearing he looked at me and he goes, okay, costume change. And I said, what? And he goes, um, now we just want you to put these on. And he handed me, uh, you know, a pair. Silk shorts. Silk underwear. You know? and he goes, That's all you're going to wear in this scene. I said, I'm actually okay with that, but I'm not sure anybody else will be. You know? <laughs> he, he, he thought you were Mormon. Silk shorts and that is so. And funny. the first, the first edit of that video was <laughs> way it, too too much it, to play on CMT they or anywhere it the else. Tongue video. Yeah. That is so funny. Never, well, listen, you know. And uh, don't take it, me there. I don't want to. I never. I couldn't. La, 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 I remember being. I was waiting for the gross. Yeah. But anyway, it was the strangest costumes because I wore that sweater. And um, like when I'm wearing underwear under it, and I'm short, so I mean it kind of came down to my knees, you know. But I'm thinking this is weird, and, uh, you know. But okay. And as life would have it, when we shot the video, they spent about five hours setting up <laughs> a rain, rain machine. Setting up a rain, rain machine. machine. They had they had more rain than you ever saw. <laughs> and just before we shot that scene, we were down in Coconut Grove, Florida. Dark clouds Downpour. came overhead, and it. Downpoured yeah. like no one That's had ever funny. seen. They never even used the rain machine. <laughs> so when you see that video, that rain was all ready to happen uh, artificially, but it was the real thing that happened. That's so. I remember my dad watching that video and he said, "Oh my god!" <laughs> he said, "You can't kiss him." I said, "Daddy's my husband." <laughs> and he goes, "Well, I don't know. I don't want to watch it." <laughs> 
I'm going to do my best, okay? You can do it. Sometimes I get worried that you get tired of me. I hope I'm still a lover that you want me to be. You're the one I fell in love with, and we're still the best of friends. We haven't changed a bit, all the pieces fit, but tonight we can't pretend. Treat me like a stranger, like someone you just met. Come on, like the first time, and I'll play hard to get. Move me in the moonlight the way you did back then, and treat me like a stranger. Let's fall in love again. Let's fall in love again. Yeah. Oh, that is so nice. You know what's interesting <laughs> is you have so much emotion in your song, obviously, you know, um, but so do you, Alyssa. And Thanks. I think you really hear that in um, I Want to Marry You. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, well, I wrote that song, obviously, the boy I'm, I'm dating. He's literally my soulmate. His name's Graham Whitford. And, um, and I wrote this song for him one morning. I remember waking up, and I and I thought it would be really funny to play it for him because um, I've never really like felt like that about any guy that I've dated. And I was like, well, if he hears it and he runs away, then I guess he's not the one. He didn't run away. So <laughs> anyway, there's the song called "I Want to Marry You." Who says I'm wrong? Who says I'm right? When you're the only thing that's always on my mind I want a ring that I can't put your finger through Ooh, baby, yeah, I want to marry you Ooh, 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 ooh All I need the rest of my life Ooh, 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 ooh forever by your side If I was the open sky, you would be <laughs> you guys are so cool talented. Tune. It's kind of hard to talk after something like that. <laughs> yeah. uh, God, you know, I, I love that song. I might be, uh, I might be biased, but here we are. So we're actually recording this that time of year. It's the end of the year, Christmas season, yeah. Yeah. and all that stuff. And and every night I get to go out and I get to hear all of you guys and get to sing with you, whether or not you know it. <laughs> but um, we actually, we actually wrote a Christmas song together, which was really cool. Next one's going to be the birthday song. Got yeah. to be a replacement Do for it. the birthday song. 
We have to do that. You should do this Christmas. But I, I was noticing this when I read your bio, and correct me if I'm wrong, um, we released that song together two years ago, mm-hmm. and it legitimately went number 17 on the AC charts and Billboard, mm-hmm. but it went number four on the holiday charts, and it was cool. the only independent in the top 40 to actually chart at all. <clears throat> That's awesome. But um, I think that was your, was that one of your first, if not your first, as an artist, top yeah. 20 Billboard hits? Yeah. Because I know the sisterhood's going to go through the roof, and as a solo artist, you're going to do your thing, but the fact that, that was I get your to, first charted single. Yeah. But that makes me feel artist. really, really oh, yeah. good. And, and I'm proud I think, of that song to do well, with you should, Well, I mean, uh, you know, for the record, you, you walked into the room and said, you know, when I was over in England, here's another thing that I, was, that I had in my notebook. Mm-hmm. And you, <laughs> I mean, you, you had the course all written, everything was all <laughs> done for real. And it was just such a nice thing. And I remember we were all sitting there at your parents' house in the middle of summer, <laughs> drinking margaritas, <laughs> yeah. trying to write a Christmas song, mm-hmm. and uh, and it's just really neat how many That's how many great... doors it's we, open we for me. We should sing that song. Yeah, let's do it. Can we do this Christmas? Uh, yeah, let's do I, it. I mean, we're, t- we're yeah, talking do about it, it yeah. so you you can't tease us like this, guy. Do it. Yeah. Tell me, it's the greatest song, and it was it was the funnest record to make because it was all Christmas songs. I love how it turned out. I mean, it's it's funny like to have. Um, an idea of a song and then bring the right people in to finish it. You know what I mean? Like, and I, I really believe that like that's the most beautiful thing about co-writers too is that the one thing about Nashville and like growing up here and <laughs> you know, you call people to write and you're like, hey, you guys want to write a song today? And it's like, yeah, man, you know, and sometimes you leave with like a really great song or sometimes you just don't gel with like the co-writer and you just, you know, make a new friend. But I think when um, it happens and you find the right people to co-write with and you create this song that like you're like oh my god yes that's, that like, that's the song it's a really special thing and, and um, another gift so anyway I'm glad well, we got to do that well we also made that record over at Michael's at Michael and Kathy's studio mm-hmm. that Alyssa is in constantly and it was like not just a home studio I mean it was like yeah. it was a, home territory that was the Nelson yeah. Moniger family effort but it <laughs> yeah. was wonderful because we finally all got to get together and <laughs> Whatever instrument we were hearing, we had access to. We, right. we threw yeah. it on there. Uh, spontaneous background vocal sessions. Yeah. L- Liss engineered and produced. Michael engineered and produced. Yeah. It was fun. You know, funny, uh, funny times at three and four o'clock in the morning. And that's what music's all about, especially yeah. here in Nashville. Is the reason why I moved here. Uh, you've always been here, right? Mm-hmm. I was born here. And uh, and you guys moved here. Obviously, for that same Jeez, reason, almost too. forty years yeah, ago. Almost forty years ago. What? Eighty-three. Yeah. Almost forty right? years yeah. ago. You know, Wait, I thought you're only twenty. You're only twenty-five, though. Oh no. <laughs> but, but in this town, it's it's really all about that. You know, I was born and raised in yeah. Southern California in Hollywood, and I think music is to Nashville what acting is to Hollywood. And when you come here, totally. it's really all about yeah. music and writing, and everybody speaks the same language. Yeah. But a little guitar circle like this in a conversation, mm-hmm. that happens all the time here in Nashville. Totally. You know, you're just having lunch. Especially at our houses. Right. Like yeah. at the end you know, of the night, know, it's like, grab a guitar, let's and jam. I am, I am yeah. never cease to be amazed at the talent that is walking around a room of, with people that you have no idea how they are. I mean, well, oh, Lord. we had a piece of furniture delivered, and uh, we have guitars all over the house, and, and after... after one of the guys delivered the furniture. He noticed the guitar, and he goes, oh, wow. My dad, and I said, oh, really? And he went over to it, and he started playing something that I could only imagine might be played by a human being, and he was, like, unbelievable. And I said, oh, you obviously came here to play. And he goes, yeah. He goes, things aren't going good, but he goes, but 
because but I, that's why I moved here from Kansas, you know. And I'm thinking things aren't going good. You're like the most amazing guitar player I've heard, you know, in a long time. And and literally, you can go to a party in Nashville and pick someone out, and they probably came here for music. And whether they're a singer or a player or a songwriter, they probably have something that would just totally blow you away. But they're ne- you never know about it. <laughs> I was I I got to do another series called Road Trip, and I did it uh, at Fox. And one of the things we tried to do was we, we we would try to do these bucket list types of activities. So we went on the road, and my correspondent was a roadie for Scotty McCreary, mm-hmm. and I got to wow. chat with a band backstage, and he was saying just that that actually there's so much talent in so Nashville. Much talent. And, I, and he was saying that his theory was the reason why everyone was so nice here is that if you weren't nice, you'd never work again. Because there were so many good <laughs> people behind you. That's awesome. That it actually sort of humbles yeah. the whole crowd yeah. out. Because you're right, you never know. Well, <laughs> it's also about tenacity. And this family that we're talking to today, they're so driven in such a positive way. Because there is so much talent around. There's talent all over the place. Yeah. But it's about... What I've witnessed with them, it's about having a vision for who you are and what it is uniquely that you have to say and and what you're all about. And you guys just don't quit. And it's wonderful to see. And uh, I think that... um, Thank you. I remember moving here to Nashville, and we played everywhere, I feel like, in the world. We moved to Nashville from Bermuda, which we played six nights a week. We in had Bermuda. a residency in Bermuda for two years. It was great, great, yeah. great. You know, and I said, well, you Not know, a bad gig. it's better than a residency in Fresno. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Great team. But, yeah. So when great we came team. back down here, I knew that we were going to play clubs again. And, but I had in my head that I was just going to do my thing. I mean, maybe one of these days I'll figure out who I really am. You know, and what kind of songs I really want to do. <laughs> yeah. But I decided that that was going to be the thing for me. <clears throat> so the first thing that I do when I move here is I get... I, I was an aerobics instructor, of course, too, but which I always had a gig. But I started doing demos. And Michael would get me these demos, you know, by these certain people. And I'm saying, oh, okay, I'll go do it. And I'd go in it, and I'd learn it my own way. I just do it my Kathy Bailey man. Yeah. They go, I'm sorry, we didn't write it like that. My, but that's the way I learned it. Mm-hmm. So I lost that gig. Mm. Then I try another one, right? And Michael goes, we have to sing it the way they wrote it. And I said, I can't. i got to sing it this way. No denying so the artist. So next, next demo, sure. I'd go in and do the out. No, I, we didn't write it that way. Out. You're out of here. <laughs> so I lost like 10 demo gigs. <laughs> you know, I didn't want to do it anymore because... I have to do things my own way. You know, it's just like artiste. Yeah, it's, you it's, know, you know, and, and that's, that's, that's true. I mean, and it's just like writing Session songs. players. You got to do yeah. what you love. You know? It reminds me of the are... lyric right behind you guys oh, on yeah. the wall that okay. has a tagline, you can't please everyone, so you got to so please, gotta please yourself. You know, really because like true. that's what we were talking about, you know, a little bit ago. It's just like, I think when you say like, I stopped caring about what other people thought because right. I think you really, in life, I think you really just have to like, you know, yeah. really do things that you love doing, not what other people want you to do. And when you do that, beautiful things start happening for you because you're being true to yourself. You're, you know, you're being the true artist you should be. Well, in, in you know? a, in, well, it's really we're, we're really in the connection business. We're not in the music business. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. You right. know, yeah. and, and I think uh, you have to... Yeah. 
I have an expression, so dare important. to be stupid. When we were all writing the Christmas <clears throat> song together, it was like, dare to go there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. In the middle <laughs> of summer. It's Christmas. Right? It's fun. Yep, you're right. At four o'clock in the morning. At, exactly. <laughs> Do you, who sings the melody in the chorus? Do I? Uh, yes. Okay. I think so. I don't remember. We did this like last week, kind of. I don't know. I'll yeah, just, then. whatever you're not singing, I'll sing. Okay. <laughs> May the Schwartz be with us. You will not. to tell you for a long, long time. Ever since I can remember, you've been a friend of mine. Now with all the snow, it's falling down. And this beauty all around us. Oh, all that's left to do, say I love. Christmas, I'm gonna say how I feel. I'm hoping that the magic's riding on my side. Gonna pray my wish comes true tonight. While the fireside's glow, I'm gonna hang that mistletoe and finally let you know this Christmas. Falling like the snow this Christmas. It's mm, nice. <laughs> well, that was pretty good. That was. That was pretty good. It was very nice. I love when that comes <laughs> on the radio. Oh, it's so nice. For obvious reasons, oh. but it just sounds so good. I just, we hear it all the time. It's great. I get to visit with my friends every year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I, I love being out there and doing that. And I, I love, uh, there's two versions, which is cool. I love the, the first version that Alyssa sang, and then I love the version with, with Carney and Wendy. I kind of so like, cool. grew up listening to Wilson Phillips, so to hear them sing a song that I pretty got happening. to be a part of was pretty, pretty Well, the pretty coolest cool. thing for me was actually being in the studio when the girls were rec- recording their vocals for that yeah. version of it, and being so intimidated by your vocal. <laughs> Whatever. They were paralyzed. It took me, literally, it took me weeks to get them to send me their, their vocal track, well. and then they finally admitted to me that the first version, because it was released first with Alyssa singing lead the first yeah. year, mm-hmm. and then the record company we were working with came up with the idea to, to do a second version the next year, and three weeks, and I couldn't get them to send me their vocal parts. I had to fly to Los Angeles <laughs> to sit down with them, and they admitted the reason why is because they they were intimidated by oh, the performance. It's, it's, yeah, but it's actually you grew up, that's so brilliant. sweet. But the Your point is, you grew up listening to Wilson Phillips. Yeah, I did. And they were intimidated listening to you. It's that's which crazy. is kind of neat. Crazy it to is hear. neat. It is neat because in a way. Their voices are actually in your voice because they've inspired yeah, that's you right. before. And all the so harmonies. In a way, they're, 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 yeah. in, they're, they're intimidated by themselves. They <laughs> weird they made some of it's the weird, way. isn't it? Yeah. They made some of the greatest records. Do you remember what we were, we were on the Marty Stewart tour? I had that record in the back yep. of yep. the van, and I used to listen to that record all the time. And our we... pump-up song like for the Sister Ed stuff is we put on, Hold on for one more day. And it's like our pump-up song. How's it feel knowing that they're now fans of you? It's crazy. It's crazy. Do you remember us singing the Wilson Phillips songs at our house that no. night? No. Oh, yeah. With, when with Carney was there. McCartney was at our house. Oh, that's Denver? right. Yeah, it's so Alyssa cool. Every part, her and Carney. I was like, I'll do all the part. parts if you want. I know all of them. <laughs> and, and, I know all the words. <laughs> and, 
what I loved hearing just then, that kind of enthusiasm and excitement, yeah. everybody here is like really that pumped about music still. Oh, yeah. I mean, really, the big secret is I think everybody in this room would be making music even if we if we weren't getting paid because we did for a long time without getting paid. That's right. Still it's do. Been the, sure. Yeah, right. right. And, I don't uh, think my life would be um, the same. The same without music. I mean, I honestly, if, if I didn't do music for the rest of my life, I, I honestly don't know like how long I'd be on the earth because I, like, I live because of music. Be? I mean, honestly, I mean, it, it, like, it comforts me. I mean, all my favorite records throughout my entire life when I've needed something, I put them on because I think that music is like the only thing in this world that really kind of like you know, zens you out sometimes. You know what I mean? And you know what's really cool? Um, we came out in 1987, and Alyssa was on the road with us in country music. And she would listen to country and everything else that she wanted to listen to. So she brought me into the new pop world when Gunnar and Matthew came out in 1991. And I remember being on the bus, and I said to Michael... Ricky Nelson's kids have a record out. <laughs> I'll never forget that Ricky because at the same time we came out with Turn the Tide. That's and, so cool. And Ricky Nelson, uh, and I, I'm sure I've, I've told you this, but was such an inspiration and and oh, yeah. uh, for 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 me. I mean, when I grew up, yeah. you know, I, not to not to diss any Elvis fans, but you know, <laughs> I I didn't have an Elvis record. I had all of your dad's yeah, records, Ricky every single one of them, and yeah. and. Hit the way he phrased and the melodies and the lyrics and the way the songs were just so so natural and and right, mm -hmm. it was like something I just gravitated to, and uh, that's cool. We got a gig opening up for your dad in in. I, Did I, you know this? At, in West I Virginia, heard a bit, I heard a little early seventies. Early seventies. It was Nelson. Judy Collins, Ricky Nelson. What? And, and we and we were called Bittersweet at the time. And it was I remember it was the highest paying gig we ever got. Up to that point, cool. And, and we drove. We drove to West Virginia. But the best part about it was, is that there was a chance that I might meet your dad, and then I could get to hear his show in person. Right. He'd, and and I was so excited about it. In fact, I was so excited about it that I blew the chance to meet him, and I blew the chance <laughs> to hear him. Why? Because we played our show. Then Judy Collins went went on stage, and then then it was. Ricky Nelson. Yeah. And so when Judy Collins was on stage, I was determined to meet your dad. So I made a total jerk of myself to all the security guys because I wanted to get to meet your dad. Well, <laughs> you know, I had no credentials. So no one funny. no one was inviting me to meet your dad, but I was <laughs> going to just go in there and they actually locked me out of the building and I didn't get to hear your dad's show oh. or meet him. Wow. You know? And so uh, that We're was... Like thinking, no, I but I was so excited Michael? to meet him that I, I, I couldn't even contain myself because... That's hilarious. You know, <laughs> he was like a super fan. He was a stalker. I was. He was a stalker. I was. <laughs> My, that I, was you know, the never problem. Was, we're stalker. Yeah, you're like... Get this no, guy it, it was. Freaking it was. Weird. It was just uh, your dad's music. <laughs> One of those days. Your dad's music Mike. Is, is so pure and so real, and yeah. that and that was the the thing that it, it had everything to me. It you was, know, I've never said this to you, but it's kind of hitting me now. My father's, his countenance, his presence, was really soothing, mm. and was really for everybody that was around him. It was yeah. really calming in a really neat way, and really supportive. And Michael, I've never met anybody, honestly, that wasn't more like my father than you. Oh, wow. really? Oh, really? Oh, oh, now I'm really Thank impressed. Yeah. yeah, really. Oh. Well, but you know what's weird is like I talk, like you now, Mike. Talking about all this <laughs> stuff, though, it's like I think when you make music, 
and I'm starting to realize it now because I'm I'm now on this like weird like you know full circle moment where like I got my record deal with Ruby recently in June and the person that signed us didn't even know who we were really he just had heard like hey you got to hear these girls sing so when we went in to sing for them and I walked up to him I was like Randy hey it's and I like gave him a hug and he, he's like who is this person and I was like it's Alyssa Bonnegur I'm I'm Kathy's and Michael's daughter and he goes wait, you're Kathy and Michael from Bailey and the Boys, kid? <laughs> and I said, yeah. And he goes, I worked your, your parents' records when I was on RCA in, in the yeah. 90s, right? You hadn't seen you probably since you were born. So it's like really weird. It's like Maybe this weird two. like full circle thing where like you start to like meet people I think that have influenced you or that you, maybe you're, you're supposed to know. And like it's like it's just a really weird thing. You're really lucky that there are those things. people still there. Yeah. That. When I found out you were making records with Ruby, my yeah. first thought was I babysat her when she was three in Australia. <laughs> oh my God, what? Yeah. That's how we, they know Kelly. That's how I know Wait, Kelly. Wait, what? Yeah. Why were you in Australia and they were there? Because I was a big star at the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, like, but like, were you, but like, were was, you playing was, a show and how it did It was you called end? the Pepsi Celebrity Festival and we toured uh, Australia and <laughs> New Zealand. We actually got to play for the Prime Minister You're in New Zealand. You're still a big star, Gunner. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, but but uh, got to sing with Olivia Newton-John. I got what? to do the... I got to do the... Uh, please, Mr. Please. No, all the, all the grease parts and stuff. Uh, oh, my God, oh, stop I it. Um, uh-huh. I, I, I got to do his part. I got to, to play with um, David Crosby and Steve wow. Stills. But on that trip, we were all hanging out, and there was Kelly Emberg was there with a three-year-old Ruby, <laughs> and they had something to do for the night, so I got oh to babysit God. Ruby. And so when I heard of all people, it was Ruby... We were hanging out, uh, I guess it was so weird. not Puckett's, but it was a restaurant right by Puckett's in Leaper's Fork when I first saw her for the first time in all of those oh, years. Right. And wow. she's so weird. And the first thing she said is, You look different. <laughs> I said, So do you, kid. Man, <laughs> that is crazy. Of that, all people for you to odd. connect with. Well, it's just, really cool. Yeah. It's it like a weird, weird full circle thing, but like you talking about your dad and how yeah. he was a fan of your dad's and yeah. now we're all friends. It's just, it's crazy. You know what? I, I think we should end. You know, I don't want to end. I know no one wants to end, but uh, maybe a little thank you for being a friend because it does feel this like is only we are amongst, you know, yes. friends. We're gonna have here. to come back and revisit this. There are way too many stories. Well, all right, let's try it. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Heart is true, you're a pal and a confidant. I'm not ashamed to say, I hope it always will stay this way. My hat is off, won't you stand up and take a bow? And if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew. Different be from me, and the card attached would say, Thank, Thank you for being a friend. friend. Yeah, Thank I you for being a friend. I want to thank you. Thank you for being a friend. I want to thank you. Thank you for being a friend. I want to thank you. Oh, let me tell you about a friend. I want to thank you for being a friend. I want to tell you. Thank you for being a 
love Gunner. Yeah. I mean, this was a great first one for us. This I want is wonderful, wonderful. Well, we want to thank you guys. Alyssa Bonagura, Kathy Bailey, Michael Bonagura, thank my you. family, my friends. Gunner and Nelson, people, we love you. And I'll tell you, people that I admire so, so much. Um, if we didn't even know each other, but I'll yeah. tell you, um, you're an inspiration. And back at you, Gunner, you are too. I mean, uh, you're one of the greatest singers I ever heard. Oh my gosh. Gunner's just like, just do it. You should hear it. <laughs> folks out it. there listening to this, you should hear all the different styles this kid can sing. Yeah. You can sing anything. Gunner oh, pulled, yeah. a lot, pulled a lot of things out of me vocally on our latest record. It's called I Will Run. And uh, it's just released, actually. By the way, check it out. It's a great, great album. And, and Liz has three albums out there, too, working on The yeah. Sisterhood right now. Yeah. Do yourself a favor and check that stuff out. Yeah. It's brilliant, and obviously, I, I, I'm sure you can all tell they're listening out there that uh, these are people that are coming from the heart. They're genuine. They love music, and they love all of you. Yeah. So do yourself a favor and tap into it. Thanks for having us, man. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Thank Merry you for Christmas. being a friend. And Merry Christmas. Thank you for being a friend. <laughs> Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side. Here's a chance for us to give you a bonus track and tell one more story. As Alyssa was trying to figure out what kind of artist she wanted to be, she wrote about this struggle in her first single. Once again, here's Alyssa Bonagura, this time on the piano, with her song, Rebel. I remember sitting at uh, my boyfriend's mom's piano at her house in Franklin and um, praying. And as I was praying, I was writing this song. So it turned into my first single off my solo record. And um, the record went, I think, number 11 on the country charts. And I didn't have a label or anything. It was just um, I made it with the help of all my friends and with Karen Whitford. And um, so anyway, I wrote this song. It's called Rebel. Everybody pulling me in all kinds of directions Trying to tell me what to say, how to think and feel Truth is that every soul's continually searching We think we know, but we got nobody I'm a saint, I'm a sinner, I'm the sky Thanks again for listening to Children of Song, the podcast that combines live music 
with great storytelling. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at briankilmeadeshow.com. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcast, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.